God's Word, John chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 11, and we'll begin reading in verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was at the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Thus far, the word of God. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we ask that you would continue to bless us as we are assembled before you in worship. Father, we come now to the pinnacle of our worship when your word is preached and we hear it. Father, if it is only the efforts of man, both in the preaching and the hearing, we are without hope. But Lord, we attend upon this with a hope and in faith and in expectancy that your spirit will bless and attend the preaching and hearing of the word and bring forth fruits unto righteousness. Lord, send forth your word to convict the guilty, comfort the, the bruised, and to build up your saints in the midst of the years. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In over four decades of marriage to my wife, she and I have experienced, conservatively speaking, tens of thousands of events together, Uh, whether traveling, celebrations, interacting with our four children, and more recently with grandchildren. We have have witnessed enough to fill books with stories. Sometimes you all get weary of my stories, but indeed, there are others hearing me right now who can also relate to this, a shared experience perhaps with a dear friend, a spouse, even siblings, brothers and sisters. And yet, if we were to recount any one of these shared events, we will remember it differently. Is that not true? If you heard my wife describe some event and then you listened to me describe that same event, it would become obvious that how we remembered the event was very different. Sometimes you might even wonder, was it the same event we were talking about? Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, shared the experience of seeing their brother fall ill. Together, they sent a message to Jesus, their Lord, saying unto him, Behold, he whom you love is sick. Together, they waited on Jesus. And then they watched their brother breathe his last and die. Together, they prepared his body for burial. Both of them laboring together, placing his remains in the tomb. Martha and Mary both grieved and lamented the loss of their brother, but how it impacted them was different. What they were doing that day when Jesus arrived in Bethany was different. How they responded when they met with Jesus was different. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John records these differences. Therefore, like all scripture, that is God to breathe text, that was written for our instruction and is profitable for our consideration, what we will see today is 
as I've called it, two snapshots of faith. Both Mary and Martha have saving faith in Jesus. And here are lessons about faith to inform and to strengthen the faith of all those who believe. I'm going to use four main headings. Very simply, Martha's faith, Mary's faith, full and balanced faith, and then a consideration and conclusion of the question, what is your faith? Or may your faith be improved? And in part, I'm following Richard Phillips' treatment in his exegetical commentary on this passage. So we begin with Martha's faith. Martha had joined Mary in petitioning Jesus to come. They both loved their brother Lazarus. They were both concerned that the illness he had uh, was severe. Uh, There was a consideration of death, and they had sent someone, a messenger, to Jesus in earnest. It was very clear that they expected Jesus to come and to heal Lazarus. The whole text cries out of that, that that was their expectation. They had a confidence that Jesus was able to do that. Verse 21 and 32, we find both of them saying essentially the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But Jesus delayed in his coming. For it was the will of the Father that Lazarus die before Jesus arrived. We've considered that in some of these earlier verses, that God was accomplishing his purposes. We noted last week that the sisters did not know why Jesus did not come. They didn't understand that, even as we, uh, we thought about Job, not understanding the events that were happening to him, and not having that uh, preamble or the preface to the story that we read. Mary and Martha, they don't know why Jesus delayed. They don't know why their brother was left to die. And they did not know what Jesus would do when he arrived, even as we find in the text that he did. Verse 17, we find that Jesus did arrive, and Martha went out to meet him. Martha came to Jesus looking for answers. She wanted answers from him. She greeted him with the if only, as so we so often do in events in our lives. We go to God, if only God you had, you know, fill in the blank, then things would be differently. We often expect God to shall I say, perform on our terms to give us what we want. And uh, we make great expectations of him rather than a submission, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, even as the Lord would teach us to do. It was clear that Martha's faith was such that she believed that Jesus could have healed her brother. Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. So, disappointed... Martha's disappointed, but her faith remains. Remember how she said that even now I know that whatever you ask of the Father, he will give to you. Uh, she She declares that she understands that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 27, we see, she says, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. It's quite remarkable. Whenever Jesus meets those with faith, he engages with them in such a way so as to grow and to strengthen their faith. You see that again and again in the Gospels. Obstacles, hindrances that Jesus uh, uh, uses, that those who have faith, that their faith would be strengthened. Even those, uh, like you think of the father whose son was possessed, and the Lord asked him, you know, do you believe? He says, yes, Lord, but help my unbelief. Uh, the Syrophoenician woman who has a faith that Jesus could heal her daughter. And yet it seems as though Jesus um, 
pushes back against her. And yet what he's doing, he sees faith in her because he loves her. He's engaging with her in such a way that as he challenges her, her faith grows and rises and strengthens. Faith is something like a muscle, children, that when we exercise faith, we use faith, it becomes stronger. And the Lord knows wisely exactly what we need, that our faith should grow. But nonetheless, Martha had some disappointments. We have these two confessions of Martha that she said, Lord, if you had been here, that my brother would not have died. But then she said, Lord, I know that whatever you ask of God, you will give to him. And then Jesus declared to her, your brother will rise again. She said, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection. You see, there's this expression of faith. There's in this discourse, this back and forth conversation with Jesus, Martha's faith is growing. He's taking her on to two levels. Martha believed in the resurrection of the last day. Uh, this was not something unique, even as we talked about in sermon discussion last week. Job, a, a, a contemporary, someone who lived at the same time as Abraham, understood that his Redeemer, uh, would, he would see him in the flesh on the earth. Uh, there was these things that were understood by the Old Testament saints, indeed things passed down. And here we find Martha with a, a rich and a robust understanding of the resurrection. She believes that her brother will rise again, understanding that his hope was in God, that he was, had faith in God. But notice she said it's at the last day. And then it was at that point that Jesus revealed to her that he is the resurrection and the life, and that whoever believes in me, though he die, yet will he live. Martha's faith was then expressed, yes, Lord, I believe. She does not ask, what do you mean? She does not object, but my brother is dead. What difference does that make now? No, she says, yes, Lord. Just a simple yes, a faith of trust and dependence. Because she believes, as she goes on to say, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That she believes that he is God come in the flesh, the sovereign Lord of heaven, even as the prophets were told that it would be. And this is where Martha's faith rests. Or we could say, it begins, it begins with the words of Christ. In the past few months, we have seen that the Lord, um, the Lord has added to this particular congregation uh, by those professing faith. We've seen uh, believers transfer in, but we've also seen, especially amongst our young people, uh, them stepping forth and professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing that their hope is in Christ. And it's a wonderful and a time of great rejoicing. And at that occasion, uh, when we receive new communicant members, they're asked the question, amongst others, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners, and do you receive and rest upon Him? Him alone for salvation, notice this last part, as he is offered in the gospel. As he is offered in the gospel, that is, Christ as a Savior as revealed in the word of God. Not as you would have him to be, not shaped and fashioned according to your own desires and designs, but indeed as he is, as God has sent him into the world. Do you understand that Jesus is who he is, as expressed, declared, revealed, and magnified in the word of God? God makes him known to us. He makes known to us what we do not know. 
We do not naturally know the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not born into the world with an inherent understanding that God has sent His Son into the world to save sinners. Indeed, we're born contrary to God. We're born in rebellion and sin, and we need to be rescued and delivered. And God begins that process by revealing to us His Son. He reveals to us His Son through the Word of God. He reveals to us who Christ is, what He's come to do, the uniqueness of His person, and the majesty of His being. It is all revealed to us in the Word of God. And in faith, we come to understand that. But we must hear the Word of God. It was true for Martha. She had to hear the revelation of God. She would have heard the prophets. But indeed, we understand, as Paul writes in Romans, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That is Christ, as he's offered in the gospel, as he is revealed in the word of God, as he's presented, and that we are to grow in faith. We must feed upon the word of God to grow in faith. John began his gospel with those marvelous words, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when God speaks in his word, the heart of faith says, like Martha, yes, Lord. When God speaks, that's the right response. Yes, Lord. Children, even at a young age, you can be under, begin to understand that. As you hear the word preached, or your father or mother reading the word in the home, you hear the revelation of God speaking, you say, yes, Lord. It's an acceptance of the truth of God, for it is indeed truth. And it is given by God alone, who is truth. He makes himself known to us. The last several Sundays, we've made reference in the sermon to Job. We considered how God was at work in, through, and above all those stunning, alarming circumstances. The the tragedy, the calamity that suddenly rushed in upon Job, the Lord's choice servant. In some sense, what Job experienced was true for these two sisters. It was not to the magnitude, I don't know of any other situation, any other individual in history who has experienced what Job did. But for Martha and Mary, their circum- it rushed in upon them. It, it, from the context, it seems that Lazarus has become sick suddenly, and very sick, sick unto death, and they send word, and even the day that the messenger is sent, is sent as we count the days and the travel time, assume, even that same day, Lazarus is gone. These things rush in upon them. In the account of Job, we find Job raising his complaint with the Almighty. Even as with Martha, there seems to be something of a complaint. My friends, the scripture does not prohibit us from complaining against God. Indeed, what scripture would have us understand is it is pointless and useless to go to someone else and complain. After all, what can man do? If we have a complaint, take it unto God. He knows our hearts. He knows what is stirring about in there. Come and confess it and make it known. Read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Read the Psalms again and again. You see the psalmist going with his complaint, his heartache, his, his anger, his angst, his anxiety, his depression. He goes to God with it. That's what we should do. And we see that Martha, in some sense, is bringing a complaint to the Lord. But how much sword more Job? And in time, God answered Job. But when you look at the account, he didn't answer Job's questions, did he? He answered Job with a far different response than what Job expected. He didn't give the reasons for his suffering. 
But what did God tell Job? If we could sum it up, he said, Job, I'm God, and you're not. Sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? What was the temptation in the garden? You can be God. What a lie. Perhaps the greatest lie perpetrated on humanity. God is God, and we are not. And we never can be. We never will be. And indeed, the beginning of faith is to rest in that. And to rest in the knowledge of who God is. And God's word to Job revealed to Job that God was something far greater than Job. He has infinite majesty and deity. And what was Job's response? He said, I put my hand over my mouth. With that expression, Job, in some sense, is saying, I've said too much. I'll speak no more. Job's circumstances did not change. But now he knew what he knew about God caused him to cease his quarrel with God and enabled him to rest in faith, stronger faith than he had before. Now remember that Job had a strong faith. When, when the sons of men, including Satan, came before God, he says, God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the face of the earth. And yet this man of great faith, this great man of God, he had room to grow in his faith. We all do. And that's one of the points about the sermon, as we shall see, that we have room to grow in our faith. And so it was for Martha. Martha had come to understand that Jesus, the man whom she knew, was more than a mere man, that he was the Christ, the Son of God, in the flesh. Saving faith is not blind, but it does have a focus. And it's fixed on the one who alone is worthy. We must know him whom we have believed. We must know about him as he's offered in the gospel, even as we confess in our vows. This is why John wrote this gospel. He said, these things I've written here that you, you, whoever takes up this word and reads or here preach, that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you may have not life in his name. John tells us that this is precisely what Martha believed. She believed that He was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who fulfilled that which was prophesied through the prophets. The one who came not as only a prophet, only as a priest, only as a king, as there were many prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament uh, pointing to Christ. Jesus Jesus came as the Messiah, the prophet, the king, and the priest. The final, the ultimate, And thus, in these things, Christ executing the office of a prophet is revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Christ executing the office of a priest is in his once offering up of himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and to reconcile us to God and even now making continual intercession for us. Christ executing the office of a king and subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies, prophet, priest, and king, as Messiah, all three offices fulfilled in him. He is the one that all other prophet, priests, and kings pointed to. My friends, as sinners, we need this Christ. 
We need this Christ, this anointed one, the Messiah, who is both prophet, priest, and king, all of these in one man, and that he should be the object of our faith. Now, Martha probably did not understand the fullness of this truth about Jesus, for we have further inspired scriptures. It was clear that this one who would come would be prophet, priest, and king, but we have the the exposition of those truths, as it were, through the apostles. But Martha knew that he was the Christ. Martha also believed that Jesus was the Son of God. She believed he was the Christ, but he also that he was the Son of God. We know that the Word of God reveals Jesus to be fully God and fully man, born of the Virgin Mary, yet eternally God, of the same substance as the Father, equal in power and glory. Could Martha have said all this? Perhaps, but likely not. Again, we have a fuller revelation about who Christ is after his work is completed, and he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Are these things revealed in the Old Testament Scriptures to some degree, but do we not profit and grow in our understanding because of the apostles writings but what is likely is that mary was present when jesus declared that he had come down from heaven he did that on a number of occasions that god was his father that he only did the will of the father and that all should honor the son just as they would honor honor the father those are things jesus said and martha would have heard those things perhaps this is some of what uh, when jesus sat and mary sat at his feet instructing them were things that jesus revealed about himself because martha understands that he is not only the christ but he is the son of god though he appears to be but a mere man he looks fully as man is his glory as the deity and the son of god yet it is revealed by the holy spirit by faith unto faith. And knowing and believing these things is essential to saving faith. Martha also confessed that she believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. What was the last part? Who was coming into the world. It was foretold. It was promised. It was prophesied. They would come. And Martha declares that she understands that Jesus is this promised one from the Old Testament. The one who would come bringing salvation. The fulfillment of the prophecy by God in the garden that Jesus was the seed of the woman, that he was Abraham's seed, that he was a final Passover lamb, that he was David's greater son who would sit on David's throne forever, that he was the suffering servant of Jehovah as revealed in Isaiah upon whom the Lord would lay the iniquity of us all. Martha understood these things in part and they're all wrapped up in her confession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. That's a lot to know, isn't it? And indeed, we must know that. We must know that Jesus is all that, that he is the only one, the sufficient one. We must have some understanding. You see, faith is not just to the heart. We're going to come to that in just a moment, but it is of intellect of knowledge of understanding for god has revealed these things in his word and we understand them with our minds as well as our hearts what do you know about jesus do you know these things about jesus do you embrace them are you a student student of the word that what you know that you're building on digging deeper to understand even more about christ that your knowledge may increase but that your faith may also increase do you believe him to be who he is as offered in the gospel. Many of you have declared that. Do you believe what the word of God says about Jesus is true? Every time it speaks, does your faith hold on to that?
And do you receive and rest upon him alone for your salvation? Here's a snapshot of Martha's faith. The snapshot is that she knew much. She knew many things that were true about Jesus, and her faith was focused on the one who could save. Her faith is an expression of knowledge. But then we come to Martha's, or Mary's faith, Martha's sister. Now again, remember from the introduction, Mary had experienced the recent events right alongside her sister. The illness, the request for Jesus to come, the death and burial of Lazarus, and the heart-breaking grief that follows death. We know something of that, even ourselves. We can have an understanding of what Mary and Martha both felt. They were both grieving. They were surrounded by friends and neighbors. We're told that many had come out even from Jerusalem to lament with them over the loss. But there were differences in the expression of their shared faith. Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him. She went straightway to see him. Mary remained in the house. In verse 28, it tells us that Jesus sent for Mary by means of Martha. You can imagine that as Martha comes back in, she calls, she goes to her sister secretly and calling to her. You can imagine her leaning over and whispering, whispering to her. It wasn't announced to the room. She didn't walk in and say, hey, Mary, Jesus is outside of town. You want to see? You no, know, she whispers. What does she say? The teacher has come. And he's calling for you. What a tenderness. Jesus knows his people. He understands his disciples. Mary hasn't come. I, I think it would be unreasonable to think that when Martha learned that Jesus was approaching, that Mary didn't know it also. The town was a hubbub of activity, and things would have spread very quickly as people were gathered about, hearing something, passing it on. And yet Mary has lingered in the house. But what does Mary do when Jesus summons her? John records, verse 29, Mary came quickly. Mary came quickly. As soon as she heard that, Mary arose. She arose and came to him. Now, Jesus is not yet coming to the town. He's still at the place where Martha met him. And the Jews were with her in the house. So she has a, a, a gathering of people around her. They're with her. They're comforting her. And when they saw that Mary arose up quickly, they did not hear the message. But she's arising. And they went out with her. John records, they're saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. But she doesn't. He goes on, verse 32, Then Mary came where Jesus was, and she saw him and fell at his feet. Mary came quickly. It tells us something about her faith. Jesus made appeal to Mary's faith, just as he did to Martha's. Jesus appealed to Martha's faith by asking her what she believed. Jesus appealed to Mary's faith by remaining outside the village and calling to her. As we already noted, Jesus exercises our faith so that it will grow. And that's what's happening. Like Martha, Jesus would have, uh, would have us to receive his word. The word that Mary's received is the master's calling for you. That's the word of Christ. The master's calling for you. That's what Jesus does. He says, come. Come unto me. Come. Summonsing sinners to come unto him. Mary, already in faith, goes to him. How does Jesus call us today? He calls us to worship each Lord's Day, does he not? 
We're summoned by our Christ. We hear the call to worship at the opening of our worship service. We, we, we have, as it were, the, the enduring call of Christ to come and worship him. As he has set the pattern for our weeks. Six days shall you work. The seventh is a day of rest and worship. We begin the week uh, summoned by Christ to come and to worship him and remember his resurrection. That he is the resurrection of the life. Not only able to raise us, but he indeed raised himself up in newness of life, which is the, the certainty that he shall also raise us up. We celebrate that week by week. We come on the Lord's Day, remembering his resurrection, but also with that blessed hope of our own resurrection. We're looking for that to come. Jesus calls us to meet with him week by week on the Lord's Day. Matthew Henry notes, he calls us by his word and sacraments. He calls us to them. He calls us by them. He calls us to himself. So Mary obeyed, she came and she fell at Jesus' feet. What's the contrast here between these two sisters? The Gospels give us a picture of these two women. Mary is a doer. We're thinking not just only in this text, but the other accounts about Mary and Martha. Martha's a doer, she's a thinker. Mary is more emotional, and that's not a derogatory statement. Uh, These are observations, they're not criticisms. John reveals it in these two snapshots that Martha came to Jesus for answer. Mary came to Jesus for love. It's not to say Martha didn't love Jesus, but Mary comes looking to Jesus for love. As with Martha, John shows us three things about Mary's faith. First, Mary is devoted to Jesus. You see that in the other accounts. She's remained in the house in mourning with those around her. As with the custom of that day, they would gather for mourning, particularly the women. In the Jewish practice, the custom, I'm not going to say definitively that's what was happening here, but most likely it was, it entailed great loud wailing, an outburst of overwhelming emotion, wailing and crying out, unrestrained. Was Mary doing that? We're not certain. But it would have been the practice. But what happens? Mary's in the house, grieving with her friends. But as soon as Jesus calls her, Mary leaves it. She's done with that. She quickly leaves. She quickly goes to him. Jesus is near, and those who love him prefer the company of Jesus over the company of friends. Her faith expressed her desire to be with Jesus. Remember that this was a time when the Jews were seeking to put Jesus to death. That was the concern of the disciples when he said, let's go. Uh, They're near Jerusalem. Indeed, many from Jerusalem have come out. It would be reasonable to conclude that there were those in Bethany that were looking for Jesus. Knowing the relationship of this family, looking for Jesus. And if they hated Jesus, we know they hate those who love Jesus and follow him. And yet... Mary, even with these dangers, Mary's love for Jesus compels her to be with him. A moment ago, we were talking about how the Lord calls us together on worship. If gathering for worship was costly, if there was risk and threat, danger to us, as is to many believers in the world today, would our love for Christ still compel us to come? Would we come out of the world? Would we come away from the world? Would we want to come and to be with Jesus? Would our love and our faith in him compel us to do the same? Second, Mary's faith not only compelled her to obey Jesus' summons, but it brought her to Jesus' feet. Verse 32, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. When you study the Gospels, 
we find Mary, this, this Mary, there's other Marys, but we find this Mary recorded three times here, Luke 10, and later in John 10, uh, 12. And where do we find Mary in each of those accounts? At Jesus' feet. Think about that. That's powerful. Mary is content to be at her master's feet. Uh, her faith is expressed by worshiping him. My dear friends, there is no better way by which we express our faith in Jesus than falling down before him in worship. In his revelation, John gives us a glimpse, a snapshot into the throne room of God. And there we see these 24 elders. The description of them is majestic. They're in the presence of God. There's this glory and this splendor and this majesty of that place that John gives us a little bit of insight into. The 24 elders, the the 12 apostles and the the 12 patriarchs, the, the sons of Jacob. There they are representing the church. And what are they doing? They're falling at the feet of Jesus, casting their crowns before him. John was able to see that. It's reality right now. But even we can do that. How appropriate that while we walk by faith and not by sight, that we too should worship Jesus. So we gather on the Lord's Day as we are right now. There's very much, a very real sense that we are joining with the church triumphant. We, we are coming apart out of the world. We're joining in with those whose rest is one, those who no longer look to Christ by faith, but they behold him and see him, and we join with them in worship. We, too, engage with them in worship. We, too, come to the feet of Jesus. Here we are on his footstool, the earth, and Christ meets with us, and we gather in humility before him to worship him. That's what our faith would compel us to do. The heart saved by faith in Christ delights to worship him, longs to worship him. Uh, The ache of our soul is, oh, that I could worship better. We're troubled by the hindrances to our worship. Our minds wander. There's a whole book by one of the Puritans on that, uh, Remedy for Wandering Thoughts and Worship. If you wrote a whole book about it, it's, it's not a new problem, is it? We know that, but that we would give ourselves to the worship of God. There's something here about more about Mary's faith when she comes to Jesus for comfort. In verse 32, you notice the language. Falling at his feet, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing that Martha says back in recorded in verse 21. But in the Greek here, there's a subtle difference. Greek is a powerful language. And there's something different here. There's a slightly different purpose that is revealed in the way that John records this. Martha came, she wanted some answers. You know, she's, her faith is about knowledge. That's a commendable thing. She wants to know more. She's trying to understand more. And Jesus indeed brings her along. But Martha came in humility. This is revealed in the original language here. She came with humility and with reverence and with a deep need to share her heartache with Jesus and have him apply his healing balm. Many of you believers know exactly what that's about. You have heartaches of soul that you want Jesus to heal. And indeed, Christ invites all of us to come like Mary to Jesus with our heartaches to come to him for his healing balm. As we shall see next week, Jesus responds to Mary's action here with deep, deep, compassion. 
with deep heartfelt emotions, with passions. He was moved. We'll explore that more next week. But before we go on, when we have a faith like Mary, we can be assured that Jesus will bestow his compassion on us and fill our hearts. We can be assured of that. Flesh it out more fully next week. All right, so we have a snapshot of Mary's faith and Martha's faith. Martha's uh, about knowledge and necessary. Uh, more focus there. Mary is more uh, impassioned, uh, more uh, given to emotions and expressions that way. Also a necessary component of our faith. But we want to consider a full and balanced faith. Martha and Mary experience the same loss at the same time but they express their faith in Christ in different ways. Which one's right? Is Mary right? Martha right? Or is Mary right? Which one's right? Well, we can't really say one's better than the other. What's actually these portraits, what we see in these snapshots about Mary and Martha, what they have to combine, brought together, is what is preferred. A full and balanced faith, a mature faith, it's not just about knowledge. Indeed, it must have knowledge. You're growing knowledge. And it's not just about love. And indeed, it's necessary. The two combined together are most beneficial. There are some of you whose faith is more about feelings and affection and less about knowledge. I'm not condemning that. The scripture doesn't condemn that. But what it does commend to you is growing knowledge about Christ. For you, your faith will be strengthened and grow if you learn more about Jesus to add to the love that you have for him. It is not that Mary didn't have any knowledge. She fell at Jesus' feet to worship him. What does that clearly demonstrate? She doesn't say like Martha, I know that you're the son of the living God. But her actions say, I know you're the son of the living God. Otherwise she wouldn't fall down and worship him. So she knows that. A greater knowledge might have helped Mary to be uh, not so overtaken with the grief of her loss. It was announced that Jesus was coming, but Mary was captured by her grief, and she did not go until Jesus summoned her through the word of her sister. Some today are captured with emotional emotional settings. Indeed, that's one of the manifestations in, in worship services, that uh, there's a certain catering to emotions. And again, understand, we're not condemning those things. They need to have the balance. That's the point. There's some who just play to the emotions and the passions, and, and we can get carried away in an emotional experience and lose sight of the reality, just caught up in the feeling of it all. We would do well to deepen our understanding of who God is by the study of his word. Martha was not so affected, but she too could grow in her faith by seeking a more balanced faith in Christ. She was ready to come to Jesus, She wanted to have a word with the rabbi, as the text reveals. She would have benefited by, uh, she did benefit by Jesus' revelation when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. But her faith would be much stronger when she comes to love Jesus much more deeply as her sister did. There are many Christians today, some of you, like me, are in danger of too much study. We forget to bow at Jesus' feet in worship. Study is important, but we need to be on our face, on our, uh, before him, at his feet, in worship. Some of you are perhaps like Martha, so busy serving that you forget to connect your affections to Jesus. 
When we do that, when we detach knowledge and duty and response and activity from affection for Christ and from his people, it can very quickly lead to anxiety and bitterness. We lose sight of who is at the center of it all. The answer then is to nurture a full and balanced faith. To borrow from two hymns titles, we need more love to thee, O Christ. That should be our prayer along with, teach me, Lord, your way of truth. More love to thee, O Christ. Teach me, Lord, your way of truth. And above all, we all will be strengthened in our faith by more time in prayer. Someone has said, I love this quote, prayer is the garden where the love for Christ grows. I'm going to repeat it again. Prayer is the garden where love for Christ grows. Our knowledge of truth should bring us to come and kneel at Jesus' feet. Do you see how the two are connected in that wonderful quote? Prayer is the garden where love grows. Our knowledge of truth should bring us to come and kneel at Jesus' feet. Well, finally, what is your faith? Are you so busy filling your head with a knowledge about Jesus that your heart is shriveled up like a raisin? While your head is about to pop with knowledge, Apostle Paul says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's a picture. Shriveled up like a raisin with a head about to pop with knowledge. On the other hand, are you so overtaken with zeal of affections, but not according to knowledge, which the scripture condemns, zeal without knowledge, condemns zeal without knowledge. Richard Phillips hits the nail on the head, and I close with this, quoting him. If the Marthas among us will nurture this heart devotion, their faith not only will say, Yes, Lord, I believe, but would add a fervent love for Jesus, saying, Yes, Lord, I come. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I come. A balanced faith with knowledge and affection for Christ. Amen. O Lord our God, we do rejoice and thank you for instructing us from these two sisters, uh, for uh, inspiring John to record little details about them that we might uh, grow an understanding of what a healthy and lively faith is. And Lord, even as you are working in us, would you form and fashion within us a, a balanced faith? We're prone to be out of balance. Uh, we have our own uh, personality traits and eccentricities and tendencies, Lord, that can get us out of balance. And Lord, we pray that as you are working to your word and spirit, that you would work in us wholly, completely, that we might grow up, mature in the Lord, with knowledge and affection for Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.